This is the Kimberly Jones Show, hosted by Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones. Join us and let your light shine. a lawyer and my good friend told me call Kim. I said call Kim? She said yeah girl, trust me on this one call Kim Jones at 667 call Kim and you know what? I did and she helped me if you've been in an accident and you've been injured or if you don't know where else to turn and you need someone you can trust, I highly advise you to call attorney Kim Jones at 667 call Kim That's right, dial 667-CALL-KIM. That's 667-225-5546. 667-CALL-KIM. Or visit her website at www.callkimjones.com. That's 667-CALL-KIM. Trust me on this one. Good morning. This is Reverend Kimberly, and I am happy to be with you on this morning. I want to thank Kevin for queuing up that commercial for me because I was a little out of it. I have to admit, it has been a very rough and unusual 36 hours. I'm sure you all are aware of everything that's going on here in in Atlanta. And just as it turns out, it's actually close to my house. It's uh, close to... uh, W-I-G-O, I'm not sure where his title is, but Jay Springs' house. And it's a little distressing. Uh, My family and I were on the way home from the lake after having a fun day on Friday. My husband was driving. I fell asleep, and he woke me up from a parking lot and said, what do you think is going on here? There's a a package store across the street from the Wendy's, and we usually turn down that street on University to get to our house. And there were people everywhere police everywhere and I said I don't I have no idea everything was taped off and so I rolled down the windows and asked one of the bystanders who told me they didn't know what was going on and then we pulled off and I I rolled down the window asked another bystander who said I don't know I don't know I think somebody got murdered over a cheeseburger at that moment I looked and I saw that there was an officer who was holding what looked to be uh, an assault rifle and so I just told my husband I said hey get me out of this parking lot so I can get my child home. And we had to go an alternative route. I got up on yesterday morning and drove up to the Wendy's and it was pretty quiet. There were some news vehicles just starting to pull up. There were maybe a handful of protesters. And then by the time I went to leave again, around one o'clock, you couldn't get back up that street. And again, we went up to the lake for the day because we were meeting uh, some friends up there. And by the time we we were on the way home. My family was calling me and texting me, telling me to get off the highway. And I got off the highway, went some back route routes to get home. And of course, there was a fire at the Wendy's where it took place. And it's, it's a little disheartening um, to know that, you know, there's public fires so close to your home that, you, you know, you can't get through. And, and I definitely, you know, understand everyone's 
dismay, everyone being upset, and my heart definitely goes out to the family, the children of Rashard Brooks. You know, it's just horrible and honestly unbelievable that these kinds of things continue to happen. I'd actually already planned today to have on a, a guest to talk to us about some of the stress and anxiety that people are feeling dealing with the the protest in, in, in general. And um, so I'm happy to have her on. It's just now, even since planning to have that conversation today, things have become even more intense and have now been hitting close to home. But I'm happy to say that, you know, I have an expert who's going to help us discuss some of these things. And even some of my close friends who are pastors who have been sending me text messages saying how they they feel stressed out, how they feel um, disheartened. And, you know, we are already dealing with corona and stay at home and everything that goes along with that. And now to have the stress of these protests and just long-term stress of dealing with all of the things that people deal with, with dealing with the police and environmental issues. I thought it was important that we have someone who, who could talk to us. And it's just coincidentally that our guest, Dr. Leslie Nokwe, lives in the neighborhood. So she has been impacted by this as well. You know, I'd shared the video with her about what happened with Richard Brooks. And, you know, we've been texting back and forth. But I do want to um, invite Leslie to enter into this discussion with us and hopefully give us some best practices. Leslie, are you there? Yes, I am here. Good morning, Kimberly. Good morning, good morning. And please, did I, I, I tried very hard. Can, did I pronounce your <laughs> name properly? You came close. You came close. So um, it's actually Woke. Um, it is Nigerian. Um, so, um, so yes, yeah, Dr. Leslie Woke, but you tried. You got there. <laughs> Thank you, because you actually, you spelled it out phonetically for me, and I didn't have it in front of me, but I apologize, Dr. Noke. So, yes. Leslie, um, tell us a little bit about your background and what it is that you do or, or have been doing in, in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my training is in medicine. Um, I completed medical school and then started residency actually here in the city. Um, and from there, pivoted to also start doing executive coaching and was doing some learning development. Um, the core of what I do is helping people do the hard work so that they can face hard things. Um, that may look like helping them deal with the loss of a good friend and how do they see themselves afterward. It may look like helping them to deal with um, very kind of uncommoner like difficult situations within relationships, whether it be a marriage relationship or work relationship. Um, and from there, um, kind of speaking more to what we're looking at today, helping them to process these difficult feelings and experiences so that they can now be influencers. Um, you know, we're in a time right now where, you know, especially like when it comes to our white brothers and sisters, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so, you know, really looking at, um, like, what were some of the biases, the prejudices that you have experienced. Um, you need to do that hard work so that you can be able to show up effectively and actually create true transformative change in the church today. You know, and I think it's interesting that you say that, particularly for people who are in leadership positions, be it in their church, be it in their in their neighborhoods, that when you're dealing with difficult things like this, it can be 
hard to show up. I just spaced out for, you know, a couple seconds while Kevin was playing my intro. What are some things that people, particularly leaders, can do to help deal with um, stressful times like this? Oh, man, it, it is. I so appreciate the question. And, and it is something that many people are asking themselves, like, what does it look like um, to show up right now? I think, honestly, the first thing is to be still and to be present, right? We've got to be still and just acknowledge this time for what it is. And depending on who or how you identify, that's going to look very different. Myself, as um, a woman of color, um, also as an African woman with, you know, family back home in Nigeria, as a mom of three, as a woman who's married to a black man, like right now, showing up looks like... Showing up... Showing up also, like, you know, being able to um, allow myself to lament and grieve. Um, I also think when it comes to, you know, those who may identify an opposite race or ethnicity, showing up means to listen, you know, to be still and listen. Let's be still and actually hear what's happening. Let's let's be willing to have the conversation. Showing up may mean um, admitting that we don't know, but also, you know, committing ourselves to learning. So that's going to look different for all of us right now. But um, either way, I think the first and foremost thing is let's be present. Let's be present. You know, like, so Kimberly, like you and I, as we were texting yesterday, you know, like for me kind of showing up and being present in that moment was kind of creating a space for me to allow the emotions to wash over me. Like I have been really cautious about, you know, not wanting to immediately kind of like read the article because I know how those things impact me emotionally. So I know I needed to kind of like, Got some time, let the day start, and then find a time to sit and actually kind of like dive into the new story. Um, and so I encourage everyone to do that, just to be still first, to be still and like let's like get present first. Yeah, we were having a little bit of a connection issue. You went out a little bit, but you came back in clearly. So I don't know if you moved around or anything. I just wanted to um, make you aware of that. But um, in terms of what you were saying, I agree wholeheartedly because I know one of the things that I struggle with dealing with the protest and even dealing with Corona is the news. You know, I might be not thinking about, you know, I'm just going to use Corona as this example. Mine, I may, may not be thinking about it, but then the instance I pick up my phone and start looking at the daily updates and suddenly it puts me into a moment of stress. And even yesterday, for example, when I was heading home, and, you know, my mom and my sister were calling me, which I was glad that they do. And then afterwards, my mom continued to send messages, of course, well-meaning. And, and at one point, I had to be okay enough. I couldn't take it anymore because it can feel like information overload. So what are some, I know you said kind of being still and, and preparing yourself, but how do we deal with the stress that can be caused by this information overload? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think once we've kind of done the work to be still, let's actually name it, you know. So, like, one of the things I do with clients that I work with is if we're going to change anything, we have to be very aware of, like, what it is that we're working on, right? So let's name this. For for some of us, this is a period of grief. Um, it's trauma. 
Um, and it's complicated, right? Like, you know, not only are we dealing with, you know, the backlash of all of this racialized issue that are happening, but we were in the middle of coronavirus, a pandemic. We were in the middle of, you know, like many people have lost their jobs or who were furloughed. Um, there are many people who are now forced to be in close quarters and at, at home with their families and perhaps relationships were not well, right? So let's name what this is. So for some, it might be sadness. It might be rage. For some, it might be apathy. For some, it might be confusion, right? And so once we've put a name to the thing that we are now wrestling with, then we can approach that. Um, for those of you, us, who are dealing with this being a time of grief, um, again, it's allowing yourself to feel the pain of that. It's allowing yourself perhaps to even set some parameters or boundaries around, okay, how long am I going to allow myself to really lament? Or how long will I allow myself to actually kind of feel this pain? Set some guidelines. And what I mean by that is like literally, like I may say, okay, I'm going to read this article, but... I'll give myself maybe like an hour afterward and then I need to intentionally move on or look at or transition to something else just so my mind is clear, right? Um, so once we name it, we set some parameters around how we want to deal with that. Um, another thing about this, I, I think like the second part for this is really energy management. And by that, I mean when we're having this influx of feelings and emotion that is energy, and we may initially experience that as crying, weeping, not wanting to eat, not being able to sleep. So now it's about how can we shift and move this energy around so that, so that like, it can actually be useful for us. For some people, that looks like exercising. It may mean getting up, I'm going to go take a walk with my kids, or I'm going to get up and um, drive around. Um, something that my family and I have started to do a lot are car walks where we choose an area that we want to go look at and we just go drive and just kind of look and quote-unquote move in that way. Um, so it's energy management. It's starting to let that energy move and get out. So walking uh, or driving, um, you can also move that energy by also um, having conversations with others, you know. Um, I know, like, I'm sure you can and as well as I have, you know, we may just hop on the phone and just want to talk to a girlfriend or a brother who was like, yo, like, can you really believe what's happening right now? And that also in itself is a form or a type of movement. You're, you're allowing yourself to take the emotion and feeling that you've been having, and now you are being able to kind of toss it around and discuss it and process it with somebody else. Um, and hopefully, most times, you walk away from those experiences feeling relieved. You've had the opportunity to vent and release, which is so important. Um, and it allows us now to kind of face the next challenge or the next thing in a new and fresh way. Well, you said a lot of things. I really like that concept of moving that energy because I know I find myself sometimes I'm just, you know, I'm sitting on the bed or I'm in my room and I'm like, oh, I just got to get up. And so sometimes for me, that may just be even just going to sit on the front porch and just getting um, yeah. a, a Right, a little, a, yeah, porching exactly, <laughs> um, just, but just getting a little change of environment. But I know you mentioned that you have children and that you and your husband will take your children out for rides and, and those sorts of things. But I do want to ask you if you can share any tips on how we can help navigate 
our children processing these things. I have a six year old and, you know, yeah. I try to shield him as much as I can, but some things you just can't shield them from. Do you have any tips on how to have these sorts of discussions with our children or help them deal with any stress or, 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 uh, energy that they might be feeling? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think perhaps that's one of the hardest parts of what's happening today. It, it's one of the hardest parts. It's, you know, trying to figure out how do we tell our kids about all of this. Um, I had a girlfriend who texted me recently who said, um, you know, she's so frustrated. And part of her rage is that she now has to f- try and find the words to explain to um, her kids who are so innocent about what's really happening um, in this country. Um, you know, I really think when it comes to talking with our kids, you have to know your kids and you want to take into consideration their age. Um, for me, my kids are, you know, from like really little to now I have a son who's about to hit eight. Um, and so they're all in different age ranges, levels of understanding. Um, but kind of a standard for me is I believe very strongly in communicating to them about what is happening. I don't want my kids to not be aware, right? And for me, that's a safety issue. I don't want them to unknowingly step into something and, you know, like the excuse can be said, well, I didn't know. Well, no, if if you were my child, you were going to know. So the way we have approached it, initially, um, initially, you know, we turned off the news when we were kind of watching protesting or anything of that nature. Um, but they would hear us talk about it. And so the initial thing that we kind of said was, well, you know, um, there's a man that died. He was killed. And a lot of people don't like that. And so um, we're really angry about that. It's making us sob. And so they could identify with that because, you know, um, the school that they went to first is um, – an all-black Christian um, private school and talking about issues of race and segregation from the past and Martin Luther King, that was familiar language to them. It wasn't foreign to them. So we kind of encased it in that sense. And so they were able to say, okay, well, that's not right. Um, you know, we pray every night as a family. And one of the things they started to pray about as a family, you know, like from them was like, Lord, um, God help help people love black people, you know, and that was how they were able to kind of reduce it into their own language. Um, it's only been kind of recently, and especially last night, where we have the news on, um, just kind of watching the coverage of the protests regarding Mr. Brooks, the young man who was killed um, in the Wendy's parking lot. We've had that footage on, and they're seeing it, and they're asking us questions. Um, and we've also tried, you know, outside of our own conversation with them. We've tried, you know, other formats. I think um, a media outlet that has actually been really good in terms of actually talking to kids about this um, is this collaboration with Sesame Street and CNN. Um, I've actually really appreciated some of the, the programming that they've come out with regarding this issue on race for kids and then also this issue, um, like, with coronavirus. Um, being able just to, you know, bring in, like, the Sesame Street puppets um, using the newscasters in a very kid-friendly way, using the real-time, like, footage and video from kids across our city and, and allowing them to ask questions. And so we've put that on. You know, sometimes it keeps their attention, sometimes it doesn't. 
Um, but we've also used it as a way to teach them. Um, like most especially like if they're showing our mayor, I'm like, let's pause it real quick. Like this is our mayor. Like she's a black woman. Like this is what she's about. She is sad because, you know, also they are also killing black people too. And so she's bothered by that too. So we've used it as a way to educate. And so, you know, that's kind of been what my husband and I have done. So I think for those of you that have kids, you want to consider their age, look at where they are now, consider what you have already told them for. And if it's something where you're starting from ground zero, where you haven't said as much, you want to go ahead and lay the framework first. You may not start with this current news story. You may start with, you know, in history, there was something ugly that happened in our country and they did it against black people. Let's start there. And then from there, you go on, you know, I'm sad because what we talked about before is still happening. Let me show you what happened recently. Um, I think lastly, too, I would say this is encourage or get your kids involved in whatever um, kind of like solidarity efforts that you're doing. Um, you know, I came home the other day to see that, you know, um, our kids had taken some old cardboard and started to make like protest signs for like whenever we would take them to a protest. Um, so get them involved in that. Get them involved in, you know, even if it's like writing letters to, unfortunately, the kids of, you know, these men and women who have been killed in the news recently. Like maybe it's getting them to write a letter to, like, to those kids. Um, there are so many ways that we can get our kids involved in what's happening in, um, in a safe way. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, I did want to ask you, uh, too, because I know that you um, moved to our neighborhood, South Atlanta, recently, yeah. and I've seen you post, at one point you put a post uh, in our neighborhood group, just kind of a check-in to see how everyone was doing and responding. What are some things that people can do in community outside of your home to help each other do some of this hard work? You know, I know yeah. that um, right now our, our neighborhood, I've, I've seen people, you know, between next door and, and Facebook and other social media outlets, a lot of people are really grieving for the neighborhood. So what are some things that we can do to help support each other? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I um, so Kimberly is referencing to um, our neighborhood group on, on Facebook. I posted a, a question. I'm like, how's everyone's heart today? Like, how are you doing? And part of that was an effort to create a collective space so that we could lament together, right? Um, these things are happening in the world and in our city, quite literally down the street from us right now. Um, and it's like each individual home is dealing and processing with that. Or maybe you're kind of processing it with your own friends or like your family. And so I think one way that we can do that is to, A, first create that space within your community. So whether you all have like um, a next door group or like it is a Facebook page or there's like a group WhatsApp group for like your neighborhood or whatnot, um, that's the way that you can do that. There is power, and when you create space to collectively come together to release, there is power in that. Because when one person does it, another person now feels free to do it. Another person then comes and now feels, you know, able to now open and share and express. So that's one thing I would say. And that can look very different if you don't have, you know, a Facebook group online with your neighborhood. It can be simple as something like putting a sign in front of your house um, saying, 
um, you know, you know, like I know we're still doing social distancing, but if you feel free, you got some coveralls or whatnot, you know, it could be something like, hey, I'm giving out free hugs. You know, you could stand outside your house and do that. Or it could be, let's get the street together. I, I saw a picture actually of a colleague of mine who's in Houston, I believe. Their street got together. They shut, um, I think it was a street that was more interior to the neighborhood. They got wine and like an ice bucket they put it in the middle of the street and they social distance they were all six feet apart in lawn chairs and they just sat around in a circle just kind of talking openly about what's happening and again it just allows you to release and it allows you to hear um different perspectives the second thing i think um kind of like after we've made this collective space and in the effort of staying present now let's take the needs that we've been able to identify from this conversation and let's now move this into action. Let's start asking, is this something that we can do, right? So, like, I know in our neighborhood, like, we're going to have a solidarity march, like, later on today, like you shared, um, Kimberly. Or it could be something like, well, we realize that many people may be um, lawyers, so is there a way that we can collect money and, like, donate to people's, like, bail fund or whatnot? Um, it could be something where, okay, perhaps the family of this young man that was recently killed, okay, we have, we have, hey, like everyone's at home right now. Can we cook a meal or like get some meals or like a meal train together and commit to providing meals for um, this wife, this mom who now just lost her partner? Um, so it's creating the space to get together, listening and being present while you're there and then taking those needs and now pushing that to action. I think these are just kind of some simple ways that one can start. Um, and I think from there, you know, there's no limit with how we can show justice. Like, there is literally no limit. And so once you do those things, I think it now it opens up a chasm of, you know, all the ways that a community can come together and really show um, true transformative support um, those who have experienced loss. Well, Leslie, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you this afternoon and I appreciate all the good information you gave us. Could you share, I know you mentioned hard work. Um, is there a, a website or something that the listeners can visit? Yes, absolutely. So um, you all can find me online on most social media platforms at heartworkdoc. That's heart, heart, H E. Sorry, I can't spell this morning. H-E-A-R-T Work Doc, Heart Work Doc um, it, on Instagram and Facebook as well. You can see one of my sites, Shop Heart Work Now, um, where I have a deck of kind of like conversation cards, therapy cards where people can use to ask self-reflective questions for themselves as well as cards for their families to be able to stimulate big conversation, deep conversation. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your um, information, Leslie. I look forward to seeing you later this afternoon. No problem. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. And I want to thank you all for uh, listening in this morning. You know, uh, Leslie, Dr. Leslie was, was talking and she was talking about lament. You know, it just reminded me of actually my first year in seminary when I took Old Testament. We talked about lament all of the time. And I think in our society, we want to really move past the lament phase. We often focus on things that we hear in the Bible, like, you know, weeping indoors for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
and we want to jump to the morning, not in morning, M-O-R-U-N, but the morning, the next day, getting over that that sadness. But I think that something that Leslie said was so important, and that's allowing ourselves the space to lament when we, you know, there's a whole book of the Bible, Lamentations, which is all about lamenting and, and, and loss. And it's so important to allow ourselves to be sad, allow ourselves to grieve or allow ourselves to be angry. There was a uh, cycle that our, our professor talked about. I believe it came from Walter Brueggemann, who, who is an Old Testament scholar, but it talked about lament being orientation, which is a place that we start and then we go through a period of disorientation, and that's when things happen, and we're no longer living in the world that we're used to living in. You know, we're dealing with corona, we're dealing with extreme uh, police brutality and death, and then there's a phase of reorientation. And so that reorientation, it may not bring us back to where we started, but it brings us into a new form of, of existence. And so I think right now we're definitely in a season of disorientation and I wanted to bring Dr. Leslie on because I think it's so important for us to discuss ways to build community and, and for us to, to deal with these difficult time periods. So I do encourage you all to uh, reach out to her or reach out to your own um, mental health specialist or, or your therapist or, or, or your family or your pastor, whoever you reach out to those things. Of course, you're always welcome to reach out to me as well. And um, we'll be back next week. And until then, I'll be praying for you all and encouraging you all to let your light shine. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Kimberly Jones Show. Reverend Kimberly would like to hear from you. So send her an email to kpj at kpjshine.org. That's kpj at kpjshine.org. Or give us a call at 85 85- K-P-J-S-H-I-N-E. That's 855-757-4463. Or visit us on all social media outlets at KPJ Shine. Come and be with us each Sunday at 11 a.m. on The Kimberly Jones Show. A conversation of inspiration for you. Hosted by Reverend Kimberly Peyton Jones. And let your light shine.